94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. On the line, we have the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Dr. Josh Green. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, how are you guys? Good. Okay. Good. Thank you for making the time. We appreciate it. And uh, I feel like so many people are feeling this particular moment in time like a tinderbox situation. Cases rising, people tending to gather on long holiday weekends like this. It's great that there are more patrols, but is it going to really stop gatherings? How? What is the message that is uh, coming from the state on this? Well, let me just do my message for a moment. And thank you for that. Yeah. It is how I feel, too. I think you expressed it perfectly, which is it's a tinderbox. And with 882 average cases a day and 11,225 known active cases, there's going to be a ton of COVID spread if people have gatherings. So I'm saying it very simply. Do not gather this weekend. Do not have any gatherings of any kinds outside of your personal family bubble. That's the best thing to do. The technical rule is 25 people outdoors and 10 people indoors uh, from the governor. And they're going to be enforcing things a lot more strictly this weekend. But please, everyone, we do not want to have a kind of a um, sequel to the 4th of July surge. We just don't want it because we can't handle it. The hospitals are going to be over 440 cases today on their way toward 500, which is kind of the the line in the sand. Mm -hmm. And... You know, we have some shortages of oxygen supplies, although we're bringing more oxygen from the mainland very quickly. We have just this very stressed healthcare personnel all across the state, especially critical care nurses who have been our heroes, along with some of the docs in the, in the, in the critical care setting. Those guys have been working like double and triple shifts for months on end. And I just want them to be able to take care of all of our people without, you know, without the strain of of huge numbers so there should be no gathering this weekend the only thing you should be doing is going out to get food preferably junk food and hot dogs for labor day (laughs) and then secondarily vaccination uh opportunities if you see a place to go get vaccinated because you just decided you're going to finally do it of which we did do 7,191 shots yesterday that's pretty awesome uh then do that but this is not the time to add uh, gasoline to the fire we got the message from governor yesterday similar to the message that you're saying and um there's that 250 dollar fine if people violate the gatherings rules is that 250 dollar fine enough why is there not something stronger like a shutdown even just briefly for the weekend uh being ordered by the state every time i open my mouth like this it it, it gets me in hot water but i asked the team to do that just mm-hmm. to have a 72 hour safer at home order i I asked them on Monday, and the reason is not because I'm trying to be divisive or to one-up the governor or anybody. They have a very hard job to make, you know, to make a judgment call and balance every opinion. But this is a no-brainer. Just to have 72 hours of quiet, uh, where it will not affect schools at all, because schools will be out, of course, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and minimally affect anyone else, because people will still go get their groceries or do takeout. It's just the easiest way to help law enforcement not have to try to go and decipher whether someone is or isn't in a proper gathering it's way easier just to be at the front end of the beach park telling everybody hey chill out don't come in unless you're just walking for basic exercise Mm -hmm. that's the right thing to do it it simply is the right thing to do and sometimes we just have to say what's right and i say that because i'm looking at my numbers right now and we are so better than the mainland it's hard to believe that with 7.7 
6.8% positivity versus 10.64% positivity, we're still in deep trouble because we don't have a big healthcare system like every other state has. We should be doing a safer at home order, period. It's what the hospitals wanted, I would say 95% of them. And even the other outliers were like, ah, maybe we should do something a little more. And then finally, I'm actually talking to the nurses themselves and they're just, they're just spent. And I want them to be able to get a breather, even seeing some psychological hope that we won't have a big surge in the second, third and fourth weeks of September. So there's lots of reasons I recommended that. And frankly, there's no reasons not to do it, but um, people can do it on their own. You don't need government telling you what to do at all. Just don't have gatherings and go get vaccinated. I'm trying to distill it to its most basic recommendation. Okay, thank you very much. Lieutenant Governor, getting a lot of questions about testing. Um, we, because we've been seeing these jumps, uh, I'm looking at the air, uh, a friend of mine did a video of the airport one. My goodness, the yeah. line goes out and around, and I was like, holy smokes. Uh, and people are just sort of scrambling to figure out how to do that. Do you have any suggestions for people with regards to that? Number one, please don't travel if you're unvaccinated because you're going to end up in those long lines and you'll be in close proximity to a lot of people. Additionally, unfortunately, you have to leave a lot of extra time and for the airport, it's a challenge. You, historically, Labor Day and Fourth of July are big travel weekends, but uh, I would just say lay low, stay at home, don't do it. Um, but the long lines are really for testing and not travel. The testing itself is necessary. We've doubled our testing, and I would say this. If you are asymptomatic and you have not been a close contact of someone with po- that's positive for COVID, you don't have to worry too much about testing right now. The testing should be for people who have concern, uh, but there are also some tests at home. It's uh, it's not such a bad technology now. There have been a fair number of the antigen tests that have been somewhat reliable. So the Abbott ID now, if you can get the Abbott tests, those have been good. I think the Binax tests have been pretty good. They only take a couple uh, minutes to do. It's a 15-minute test. And even in my household, we've utilized those uh, to just be extra safe. So. There's lots of things you can do, but we are in the throes of the uh, the largest surge. Everybody is in America, the largest surge of the pandemic. So I would expect we're going to have some lines and some delays and so on. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Sir, I wanted to ask you about your feeling about the safe access program. Now, that was uh, announced this week. And for our listeners, a reminder that September 13th is the date when here in Honolulu, customers at restaurants, gyms, other businesses will need to show proof of vaccination or a negative COVID-19 test within the past 48 hours in order to enter those establishments. How effective do you think this is going to be at curbing spread? So there's a there's a straightforward answer and then there's a, a, a larger discussion to be had here. So I'm glad you brought it up. So, uh, look, first, let me just say I, I appreciate Mayor Blangiardi fighting the good fight to try to decrease spread overall. And I think it will have ultimately a relatively limited effect uh, on direct spread because it will be hard. It's going to be hard to operationalize and it's only going to probably be for two months. So. That On that side, it's a lot less impactful than having a shutdown for three days over the holiday. It just mm-hmm. will, not, will not stop as much spread. But I, but I am appreciative of any hard work to stop the spread of this disease. Now, the larger discussion that has to be had is what, what becomes normal for society. Let's take, for instance, the flu shot, right? The flu shot's pretty normal. No one protests it. No one's screaming at, you know, at friends or family about the, 
about getting the flu shot. It's just part of society. It's part of the standard if you want to avoid the flu. Eventually, COVID vaccinations are going to be exactly the same thing. A little bit more impactful because COVID is much more likely to kill you than the flu. But the, um, the normalization of needing to be vaccinated is a good thing. And I know that the 16% of the population right now that's refused to even to get it, 84% of those who are eligible have initiated vaccination, which is a big number. But those people are going to be mad or not like this. However, as businesses say you have to be vaccinated if you're going to work here or at least get a test, as restaurants say you should be vaccinated, we're going to check whether or not you are because we don't want to see spread in our restaurant. As that becomes normalized, more people will get vaccinated. It will have an effect even on some of the individuals that are just holding out out of um, out of kind of a, a dislike for government or a, a refusal to be told what to do. So it will have a positive effect long term. And that's one of the reasons it's a it's a policy that I think that they're pursuing. Now, I'm going to be really blunt with you here. My overall experience through this COVID pandemic, and I'd be willing to guess I've probably been in contact with more people than anyone else in the state, like directly in contact with people. I have come to believe that we have to um, somewhat find common ground. And like I, I was with some moms and dads who were very upset that their children had to vaccinate to be in sports. Well, that was a low yield uh, proposal. I don't think that I don't want anyone to be unvaccinated, but I don't think that that is going to make a big difference. And I would have allowed a test. Simply put, allow kids to test once or twice a week and participate in sports. There won't be much spread. And even if they do spread amongst young people, it's not that serious. I'd rather spend all of this extra energy because it's going to take a lot of energy and time to do the safe pass. And it's going to take a lot of energy to do law enforcement on gatherings. I'd rather put that energy into convincing people through science that we should get vaccinated and probably just a simple set of orders to not gather on the highest spreading weekends because we have a finite amount of um, bandwidth to convince people to do what government tells them. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, can you do me a favor and walk people through uh, the procedure that they need to do if their kid, because you and I and and Esme, we all have kids who are in public school. Uh, Everybody's getting these letters, right? Like, hey, somebody got three, we have three kids, we have two kids, we have five kids. um, And everybody's waiting for that moment where they're going to get the call from the school that says, by the way, you have a close contact. Once that close contact happens, what does somebody do within their household or what is the recommendation to do? So if you have a close contact for one of your children, then they have to quarantine for 10 days if they've been a close contact. And the best thing to do is to get them tested probably three days after their contact, uh, after that, after that exposure. And that will give you a good idea whether or not they have any extra risk. Now, if they're quarantining at home in a family that's been fully vaccinated, then the individuals that have been fully vaccinated really aren't at much extra risk. I can tell you how we handled it because it happened with Sam, my 10-year-old. I'll at least share some of the less personal parts of the story. He got that letter. We got that letter. And so he had to come home. So Sammy has been home now for 10 days. I just finished it yesterday. And his close contacts were a couple friends that tested positive for COVID. Now, Fortunately, no symptoms, right? But mm-hmm. you still worry because he now is a potential, you know, as a close contact, a potential carrier of COVID. 
And that meant the rest of us had to be a little extra careful. So Sam wore a mask uh, when he was within six feet of us. We made sure that we didn't take extra risk. He didn't go out. And, and that's the way it goes. I mean, that's what you have to do. But the best thing you can do as parents of a child in a public school is be vaccinated because otherwise you then are all essentially going to be unvaccinated, close contacts of a potential positive. And then really you should all be quarantining for 10 days, which is extraordinarily disruptive to your lives, your ability to work, your ability to care for other um, members of the family and so on. So that's the best thing to do. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, Lieutenant Governor, do you have numbers for Hawaii on how many children uh, have come down with COVID, um, especially, you know, since the schools opened? I'm looking at the national numbers and there have been roughly 204,000 child COVID-19 cases reported just in the past week. 9% increase in pediatric cases compared with the week before. And I'm just wondering if here in Hawaii we're seeing much of the same trend. Uh, we are seeing some of those trends. There's no question that there are cases amongst our keiki. Uh, the question still remains, when do they catch COVID, whether it's in school when they're wearing masks, uh, but with their peers, or when they're out of school and they may very well not be wearing masks. That's almost impossible to tell. Uh, we also know that the case counts have been, you know, around 18 to 20 percent of the cases total have been amongst young people. And that is not something to trifle with at all, but it's a uh, it's a very difficult um, it's a difficult question as to how to act. L- let me break it down for you based on um, per hundred thousand people. Okay, so per hundred thousand people, the weekly new cases have been um, way lower for zero to seventeen year olds. You know, basically kids. And if you just look at the whole, you know, kind of the whole. Uh, picture, it's uh, 498 people if they're in 18 to 44 versus 386 if they're 0 to 17. And as people get older, the cases have been way lower because many more of them have been vaccinated, like way, 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 way more. Uh, You're going to catch the Delta variant period if you're not vaccinated uh, over time. Uh, But if you wear masks and if you spread it out, then we're okay. It's just I know people are saying, well, why would you take any risk at all? Well, the good news is very few of our children have required advanced health care. Very few. Not none. And I know that people think me callous when I say that that's okay. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying that it's just unbelievably few. And there are risks inherent to everything that we do. We can't stop society just because there's going to be some risk. So best they can do is minimize risk, but we can't have a second year where we don't have an education for kids. That's just that's just too much to bear. Mm, thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, my question having to do with restaurants. Uh, any recommendations for people on uh, who decide they want to go out to eat if they've been yeah. vaccinated, by the way? Yeah, if you want to go out to eat, it's okay if you've been vaccinated. Just keep it on the lo- on the lowdown. You know, don't don't have big big parties. You know, be with your family if you're going to go out and eat. That's much safer. If you're with your family anyway, you know, it's not going to be a big risk. Uh, This weekend is not the weekend to be gathering. I would love to see everybody do takeout and take it home. Spend your money on the restaurants, but spend it through takeout, if at all humanly possible. You're not completely protected, as you know, Mm -hmm. from the Delta variant, no matter what you do. And I would not be in a crowded restaurant. Let's just say that. Okay. Thank All right. Thank you. Lieutenant Governor, wanted to ask you about 
the further restrictions that are on the table, because I think we have all heard uh, the governor, you know, at times over the past couple of weeks, say if we, you know, we get worse, more restrictions may be coming. And I know you have said, you know, we get to 500 hospitalizations, then we are really, really in trouble. What is on the horizon? What are we talking about here when he says that? We're talking about uh, shutdowns, probably safer at home, if if the cases continue mm. to stay high and if the hospitalizations continue to threaten our capacity to care for people. The uh, you know the assessment I did was we are already in a very tough state. We're we're going to announce. I'll give you the number. It's going to be 445 cases in the hospital. It looks like today. I just got mm. the last bits of the numbers as we've been talking. That's up seven. That's up about two percent. Uh, it's inching upward toward 500. And why is that number magic? Because at that point, the ICUs are full and there's just not enough nursing staff to provide the care that we always provide, which is one-on-one care, basically, with with patients that are on a ventilator and in the ICU. At that point, you have little choice but to shut down because you'll see too many extra fatalities that you should be able to prevent. Some people will just, you know, they're just going to succumb to the virus no matter what we do because it's tough on, on the body, especially if you have underlying conditions. Others could be saved. So if, if we get toward 500, you're going to hear me being more vocal than ever before, even though there have been some vocal periods. Like Devin and I got into a fight this week because I was grumpy <laughs> and tired and he was poking me on social media, poking me on my cell phone. And, I, you know, he understood. I understood. It's tough times, right? But I'm going to be really vocal. Like you can't believe if we get to a place where, there's no beds for transfers of individuals with heart attacks. If there's no beds for people with strokes, if there's no beds for people who now catch COVID and the, the ICU is full. So I think we're taking a risk this weekend that is not warranted, meaning that we should have shut down. And that's why I'm appealing to you and, and your many, many listeners to, to actually act as though we have a safer home order, meaning stay at home, don't do anything, but be with your family. But, you know, it, at 500 in the hospital, it, it, you'll hear all sorts of things that you never thought you heard before, like, do we have enough oxygen for patients? Do we mm-hmm. have to keep people in the ER for a week? Um, do people have to be on a ventilator in a room that's not built for ventilators? I mean, those are not the kind of questions you want to have. And so I just can only do my part and listen to the doctors, nurses, and then give that reflection. Sometimes enough is enough. And that's when the hospital numbers are this high. Remember, we only got to 318 in the hospital at the peak last year after the July 4th surge when no one was vaccinated. This is higher than that. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of frightening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, quick question for me with regards to Joe Rogan, who caught yes. COVID and is telling people that he took that horse dewormer thing. Oh, ivermectin. Yeah, yeah, ivermectin. And now he's sort of talking about that as a cure. And I, I'm curious, why are people being driven to this level uh, to try and treat themselves? Uh, well, it's because of fear and desperation. I mean, I'm glad Joe will not have worms now, but it definitely <laughs> did not make a difference to his um, COVID situation. So, you know, Joe's kind of interesting guy. He's a, he's a neat guy. A lot of I like a lot of what he does because he's vocal and he gets people enthused and he's a positive energetic force you know but you have to take serious responsibility with medical advice it's why there was a brush up over uh, dr pang 
and he has to even have a higher standard because he's a physician and a healthcare mm-hmm. professional, policymaker. Joe is a part of the um, popular media, right? He's mm-hmm. a um, he's a performer, really, and and so I would say it's not it's not right to make those recommendations. Ivermectin has been studied a lot on on uh, the COVID front too. It is not proven to do much. In fact, I don't think it does anything except gives people some false hope. Viruses over time go away usually. That's the way viruses work. So this is a lot of bunk to be using ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. And ivermectin, if used in the incorrect way, will cause liver damage, um, which is really bad, right? And that can often be reversible. Um, So the fact that people who have the bully pulpit, who have a microphone and reach millions of people, uh, that they would say those things, it's insane, I mean, to do that. So... I would ask Joe respectfully and others um, to probably not get too specific about remedies or, or treatments that haven't been fully proven. Uh, it's it's a lot to ask, I know, because I, I do believe fully in freedom of speech. But a lot of people listen to color, you know, colorful commentators and and people that are nice and, and they feel a comfort level like with you and Esme. And so. <laughs> If you guys start going up, not you, of course, but if, if you guys in this mm-hmm. industry start speaking out as though something is true when it's not proven, boy, it will it will confuse matters. Well, yeah, okay. no, for Thank sure. You. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Wanted to talk about the fake vaccination cards. Mm-hmm. Now, there have been some high profile cases this week. My question is how, you know, like, are there new steps being taken to stop these? How confident is the state that all fakes are being caught? And if you can kind of walk us through what kind of actual checking is being done? Well, we're now certainly spell checking all of them since some people <laughs> misspelled Moderna on their <laughs> card. So we got the spell checker in there and that's going to help us some. Uh, like it's it's a challenge because you're checking tens of thousands of people. You know, there are 26,714 travelers yesterday, and most of them were using the vaccine cards. Uh, we have, the, you know, we have a lot of people on the job doing this. And if I may, I do I do note that you're right. Your cock, your cockroach metaphor is correct. <laughs> For every one you see, there's probably 10 or 50 or more that are out there. But it it is still a very small number of of fake records as opposed to real records overall and also keep in mind just because someone fakes a record which i think is terrible and they should be fined or or worse when they do that that still doesn't mean they have covid that just means that they were desperate enough to falsify a, a federal document and take a big risk so that's really not the larger source of our problem i'm not saying that you are suggesting that but the larger source of our problem is spread from from gatherings and it is a uh that's the problem, you know, amongst those who are unvaccinated, if they're in a gathering, they're going to spread the Delta variant. And about 3% of them are going to end up in the hospital. And 1% of every positive is, uh, is possibly going to die. The risks are great. And I would not take those risks if I were anybody. Uh, but I'm not going to focus on the, um, this, this is a public health crisis nationally. And so we don't have the luxury to hone in on the smallest outliers even if they're doing something really reckless and stupid. Uh, we have to look at the larger process, which is not having gatherings and getting everyone vaccinated. 
All right. Thank you. Wanted to ask you about this viral post uh, by a gentleman by the name of Kenny Akamu. He's the crisis RN for Queens West. And he says he is lead nurse for all codes and crisis situations at that hospital. This post that went viral over the past week, the crux of his post is that he feels that most people do not understand what it's like to die of COVID. And he's been a nurse for 33 years. He says COVID is the worst way to die. This is his direct quote. He says, near the end, you are lying face down, spread out on your stomach because that's the only way we can oxygenate you. You are medically paralyzed and unable to even open your eyes because we want total control of your lungs to maximize ventilation. You won't be able to communicate any pain you have because of paralysis. Sometimes we might have to lessen the sedation and pain meds to maintain your blood pressure and only hope you are not suffering, but we never know for sure you don't get visitors and you die a painful, lonely death. And he says it's true when we say it's three times harder for healthcare workers to care for a COVID patient. Because you're an emergency room doctor. Do you feel this is an accurate account and that people don't understand that that's how it is? That is quite accurate. I've got a lot of respect for that nurse and leader. That's a pretty good characterization of what happens if you end up with severe COVID, need to be intubated, and then you're in a 50-50% chance of dying. Uh, I don't want to scare people who are having a mild case of COVID, uh, like many do. But on the flip side, if you end up amongst the 445 today people that are hospitalized or uh, the number of people that are in the ICU, ICU COVID uh, patients were 93 48 hours ago. That's the description for those 93 individuals. What Kenny described is correct. And 74 of them were on ventilators of that 93. So 74 people on on September 1st were in exactly that circumstance. And it's heartbreaking. The, the biggest heartbreak really is the fact that you can't even have your loved ones with you. That at least is one thing that if there's a car accident or a fire or other things, you at least have your loved ones with you when you're saying goodbye. So, you know, we, we've gone back and forth over the pushback against being vaccinated and the pushback against masks. We've gone through this for 15, 17, maybe 20 months in some cases, but that is a reality. And it's a total, totally unnecessary one. If we were completely vaccinated, fully vaccinated, vaccinated right now, we would have 62 people in the hospital and one or two people on a ventilator. Instead, we have 445 people in the hospital approximately 100 people in the ICU and approximately 75 people in the circumstance that Kenny describes. So that's what we're capable of doing. So when people object to being vaccinated or object to gathering restrictions or object to wearing masks, they are committing society to instead have this picture that he spelled out. Uh, I have a a good friend of mine who's actually in the hospital right now with COVID. He was doing videos, actually, and, and posting them. And about three days ago, he just went silent. And now nobody yep. knows anything. And all they're doing is posting on his Facebook, oh, we're praying for you and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude. And I know that he hadn't gotten vaccinated. And before, like one yep. of his final videos he posted was like, bro, as soon as I get out of here and they tell me I'm okay, I'm going to take the vaccine. And I'm like, bro. And it's, yeah. so it's frustrating and it's, it's, it's heartbreaking at the same time because you just go, oh, man. Because there, there's so many yeah. ways this could have gone better. You're totally right. And I'm, you know, I'm praying for your buddy. You know, I, I, I see it over and over and over again. When we look back on this whole experience, 
that's what we're going to say to ourselves. Why did we why do we make it so hard on ourselves mm. here and and everywhere? Not not just in Hawaii, because Hawaii will ultimately be looked at as one of the places that had better outcomes and a better experience compared to most states. But families are families. Right. Yeah. And we all are going to have because, you know, how Hawaii is with the coconut wireless and we all have just one or two degrees of separation. We will all have experienced some friend or loved one that went through this, all of us. So we're going to hopefully learn from it and use these lessons to not have any of this, the next pandemic, none of it. So if you can, you know, do your part to convince others, even those who are just really against getting vaccinated, let's set aside differences and set aside politics for now and just do it. Or, or if you can't do it, really commit yourselves to the next couple months of, of avoiding contacts, uh, find a way to work from home, find a way to not, you know, be, be a potential spreader because we can end this thing within four weeks. You can end it if we just do a good job. I mean, I know we're coming up on the end here and all I really want to say is care deeply about people, whether they're vaccinated or not vaccinated, but if you're unvaccinated, you're in deep trouble. You really are at high risk and you're likely to catch the virus and spread it to other people you care about. We all have children. We all have loved ones. This is not the risk to take, Uh, but going into this weekend, don't take any risks. I don't care what anybody else says. Do not have gatherings. Do not take risks. And let's set ourselves up to end this thing in September and October. Okay. Thanks, Lieutenant Governor. We appreciate it. Dr. Josh Green. Hey, thank you, guys. Have a great weekend.